Good morning, everybody. We are glad that you have come to join us here today as we gather in this place to worship. This is your first time with us. You should find a connect card in the pew rack in front of you. If you'll fill that out, let us know that you've been here. We would appreciate it. If you're joining us via live stream, welcome. We are glad that you are with us as well. You can go to the address that you'll see on your screen and let us know that you have been with us and we would appreciate that. If you have prayer concerns, issues that we need to know about, either put them on that card or write us at that address and we'll be glad to respond in any way that you wish for us to respond. But we're glad that you are all here and we are excited to be able to gather together in the house of the Lord. Our call to worship is printed in your bulletin and be projected. Let's join together in this. Give thanks to the Lord, O my soul. Make known his deeds among the people. Glory in the Father's holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the, re the Lord rejoice. Fill us with your spirit. Show us the way of service. The world is yours and everything in it. Show the way to make all things new. Oh God, we've gathered in this place to worship you. So help us to realize that we're more than just a group of people gathered for a meeting. We're the body of Christ. We are the temple of your Holy Spirit. So remind us who we are and open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to the presence of your Spirit among us that we might have the courage and have the vision to be the church, that we might believe that what can happen in this very hour might be life-changing and life-giving. So fill us with your presence, O Lord, and may your Spirit fill this place, and we will give you the glory, for you are our God, and we are your people. Amen. On this beautiful sunny morning, we've come to a time where we are going to sing praise and worship songs together. Um, we're going to praise his name. And so if you are comfortable standing and singing these songs with us, we invite you to stand. If your body says you need to sit and worship, then you can all enjoy sitting and worshiping. But if you'd like to stand and sing, join us.
thank you for bringing us here together today. Lord, and we thank you for the light streaming streaming in these windows and reminding us that there is life out there and there is good to come. And so God, right now we ask that you calm our hearts and our minds and let this service be for you. Help us to learn what we need to learn and take into our week what you need us to to show others. God, let us be a light to others for you. In your name we pray. Amen. As we offer these gifts to the Lord, let's stand and sing the doxology together. <clears throat> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly. Father. 
Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Be seated. There are a couple of things that I want to remind everybody of next Sunday morning at our, uh, after our 11 o'clock service. We'll be having the Super Bowl of Caring. We'll be having soup and, and chili downstairs, and we invite everybody to come and join with that. We'll also be receiving an offering for our Blessing Bots. Our Blessing Bots ministers to people that are kind of falling through the cracks, that they don't have enough food to be able to eat in their homes. And so we have a box here and one at the Adams Mart Mission, and we try to keep that supplied. And so we'll be receiving offerings for that. And we hope that you will come out and be part of that. Also next week at 11 o'clock, we'll be ha having the service of baptism. And if anyone would like to profess their faith and be part of that, let us know. We'll be happy to include you. We've had some people call us in the last two weeks to say they wanted to be part of that. And so we hope that you will do the same thing, but just keep those two things in mind. Over the past few weeks, we have been looking at a five-part study called The Five Practices of Fruitful Living. <coughs> the first week, we looked at radical hospitality. The second week, we looked at passionate worship. The third week, we looked at intentional faith development. This week, we are looking at risk-taking mission and service. And, and we're thinking about how being involved in intentional Christian ministry can make a difference in our personal lives, and it can make a difference in the world that is around us. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hear these words. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake at Gennesaret, the people started crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats that had been left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked Simon to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, Jesus said, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything and they followed Jesus. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and our minds today. Help us to be open to the wisdom that you wish to give us. Help us to hear your word, to hear its interpretation, and help us to grow from what we hear, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Right now, there's something happening in America that's annoying me, and I'm getting out from behind me, because I run into it, and it makes me nervous. I'm afraid somebody's sneaking up on me. 
Anyway, there's some things that are happening in America right now that's good news, but it's something that's largely being overlooked by a lot of people. The U.S. economy is growing at the fastest rate that it has grown since the 1990s. Back in the summer, it was growing at 4.5% for a short time. The sustained growth rate right now is about 2.5%. At the same time, inflation has dropped on just about everything but food, and, and you really can't turn that news into anything but good news but there is a downside to all of this. Nearly 65% of American workers say that they are tired and frustrated most of the time, and they say that they're working harder than they ever have, and they're finding less satisfaction in what they are doing than they have ever felt. That statistic alone would be disturbing to me, but it is far more disturbing when you actually look at a study that was done very recently by the World Health Organization. It shows that people who work 55 hours a week or more, particularly at a dissatisfying job, are over 45% more likely to die before they reach the age of 65. They're 35% more likely to have a stroke. They're 17% more likely to have a heart attack. And they're almost 50% more likely to have cancer. And what's also very telling about all of this is that the people who worked 55 hours a week or more were less productive than the people who worked 40 hours a week at something that they actually enjoyed doing, something that made a difference for them, something that made a difference for others people. I used to work with a pastor who got to brag that he worked 90 hours a week. <clears throat> the guy actually did spend lots of time at the church and he was always doing something. He was always invested in something, but he was almost totally unproductive for that church. He was very well invested in activity, but he didn't accomplish much that, that came, when it came to productivity. That man stayed at that church in Charlotte for 18 years. When he went there, that church had two large services in, in a very large sanctuary, and we had just built a building where we were planning to start a contemporary service. As soon as he got there, he made it clear that he didn't want that contemporary service. By the time the man left that church 18 years later, it had declined by over 60%, and the church couldn't wait for him to leave. He was still working just as hard as he ever did, but he didn't produce very much, and he was miserable by the time he left. <clears throat> we Americans put a lot of value on hard work. It, it's just part of our cultural DNA in our country. We're, we're not only the most productive nation on earth, but we are the most productive nation in the history of the earth, and we ought to be proud of that. But our society is increasingly tired, and it's increasingly frustrated. And that frustration is affecting people in very negative ways. It's affecting people at the very core of their spirits. And what's interesting is that's not a new phenomenon at all today. It's something that's been going on for a very long time. I may have told this story before, but it's a true story. In August of 1930, a, a New York State Supreme Court justice just disappeared. His name was Joseph Crater, and he just disappeared one night. 
Joseph Crater was 45 years old. He had gone out to eat with some friends. When they got finished eating, he got in a taxi, he waved goodbye to them, and he was never seen again anywhere in this world. There have always been lots of theories as to what happened to Joseph Crater, but <clears throat> the only clue that they actually had was something that his wife found the next morning. When she got up and realized he had never come home, he, well, she went down to his study, and when she got to the study, she found a very large check that he had made out to her that in today's money would be about a quarter of a million dollars, and he found attached to that check a note, and that note said, I am very weary. Love, Joe. We don't know what happened to Joe Crater, but what we do know is weariness can destroy your spirit. It steals our joy. It steals our peace. It steals our hope. And if you don't believe that, just think about the passage of Scripture that we are looking at today. Jesus had apparently gone down to the lake to talk to Simon and, and James and John. But as he was going down there, the people of Gennesaret saw him going. They had heard him teach before and they loved his teaching. And so the people started following Jesus down to the lake. When they got to the lake, those people started pressing in around Jesus because they wanted to hear him teach again. At that time of the morning, the edge of the lake was almost always lined with boats because fishing was almost always done at nighttime. The fishermen would go out on their boats and they would drop these large nets into the water because those large nets would scoop up entire schools of fish. And at nighttime, the fish couldn't see the nets, so it was easier to catch them. That particular night, the, they had not had any luck at all. They had fished all night long and they had not caught anything. So they had come in from a little early from their fishing and they had started cleaning the sediment off of their nets. Then the crowd started coming and they started pushing in, crowding in around Jesus. Jesus decided that he was going to teach them, but he couldn't teach them with them crowding in like that. So he went to Simon. He got in Simon's boat and he asked Simon to put out just a little bit from the shore. And then he sat down and he turned that boat into a pulpit. We don't know exactly what Jesus said to those people. We don't even know how long he said it. But what we do know is when he got finished, Jesus turned around to Simon and he said, put back out into deep water and drop your nets. Take my word for this, folks. That was the last thing in the world that Simon wanted to do at that point. He and his crew had been working all night long. They hadn't caught anything. Now they were tired. They were frustrated. They were weary, and they wanted to go home. But Jesus told Simon to go back out in the deep water and drop the nets. So Simon said, Master, we've worked all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll drop my nets. That was basically Simon's way of saying, Jesus, I'd rather eat dirt than do what you're asking me to do. But since it's you, I'm going to go ahead and do it, but I'm not going to be happy about it. There's a lot that we can learn from this passage of Scripture, but the first thing that we can learn is something that ought to be obvious to us. It may not make a whole lot of difference in our spirits if all we do is just sit in the boat with Jesus and not invest. If we just sit and we, we come to a place and we just, we just listen and we don't turn it into anything, it may not make a lot of difference to us. But doing meaningful work for the Lord can heal a tired spirit. 
If you want to feel energized, you want to feel effective, do something that makes a difference for God and for the world around you. Back in 2013, the California Department of Social Services shut down a nursing home that was in a suburb of San Francisco. They had had a report that the patients were being mistreated there, so they did a surprise inspection. They were horrified by what they saw, and so they immediately decided that they were going to close that, that, that nursing home and they were going to relocate those patients. Social services started trying to find places to put those patients, but in the meantime, the owners just decided that they were going to leave. They told their employees they were out of money and that they were going to shut down, and so the owners and most of their employees just left those 20 patients there in that nursing home. Only two of those people who worked there stayed. Maurice Rowland was a, was a cook for that nursing home, and Miguel Alvarez was the janitor for that nursing home. Both of those men were dedicated, church-going Christian people, and they just couldn't bring themselves to leave those elderly patients there by themselves. And so those two men worked around the clock for two days taking care of those residents. They found those patients' charts, and they looked at what medications they needed to have, and they broke open the medicine cabinets, and they gave the medicine to those patients. Uh, some of those patients had bed sores. Even though they weren't really sure how to do it, they changed their bandages twice a day. Maurice cooked the meals. They both served the meals. Then they both washed the dishes. Those two men fed, medicated, cleaned, and comforted those patients for two days until social services finally showed up with places to take those individuals. When social services got there, they were absolutely horrified that the owner of that place had left and that all of the employees had left. And they were also utterly astonished that Miguel and Maurice Hatton left. They asked them if they understood that if something had gone wrong, they could be prosecuted. If, if they gave a, a, a patient the wrong medicine they, and that patient died, they could have been charged with that death. Both of those man's, men said, yes, we knew that before we started. Social services still didn't get it, so they said, why did you stay here? And when they did, those men said, if we left, those people wouldn't have had anybody. And we knew Jesus wouldn't do that, so we couldn't either. Maurice Rowland went on to say, we just couldn't see ourselves leaving. Those people weren't our family, but they were God's family, so we had to take care of them. Later that week, the news media asked them how they felt as they were doing all that work. And when they did, those men said, that was the most stressful and exhausting work that we had ever done. And it was the most meaningful thing that we had ever tried to do. And we'd do it again tomorrow if we needed to. If you want to heal a tired spirit, engage in risk-taking missions and service. Do something meaningful. Do some kind of costly work for Jesus. Invest in a service that you know Jesus would do, but that probably most of the world wouldn't do. Two weeks, our Rotary Club that I attend is going to be honoring three Montgomery County firefighters, two from Blacksburg and one from Christiansburg. These men have all been firefighters about 20 years, but this past year, those men were dispatched to a structure fire, and on the way to these two structure fires, 
these men passed the houses that were on fire. And so they stopped and they asked if anybody was inside. And in both cases, there were people inside the houses not getting out. And so those three men ran into those houses without any protective gear, without any water to protect them at all. They rescued the people that were trapped inside those houses. Almost all of them were almost overcome with smoke, but they survived and they kept the other people who were there from dying. When all of that was over, all three of those men were asked why they did that. And all three of them said some version of the same thing. That's what we've pledged our lives to do. So we had to do it. Those people would have died if we hadn't done it. No, they didn't have to do it. But they did. They took a giant risk and they did a service that literally made the difference in life and death for people in two houses. It brought meaning and purpose to the people that actually did the work and it saved the lives of the people who needed it. If you want to heal a tired and weary spirit, catch God's vision and God's call for your life. God has a plan for all of our lives. There's a reason why we are living on this earth. If you want to invigorate your life, pray to God to show you why you're here and then live into that why. Pastor Mike Slaughter has just recently retired as the pastor of Ginghamsburg Church just outside of Toledo. Ginghamsburg is a United Methodist church that was a very small rural church when he went there. By the time he left, it had almost 5,000 members. Mike says that there are two kinds of people that he has observed during the course of his ministry. There are people who see life through a microscope and there are people who see life through a telescope. He says microscopic people are people who focus on the current circumstances, the current challenges, the current stresses. He said they usually feel overwhelmed by the details of any situation and, and they tend to see life as a problem. They tend to play it safe when they are living life because they're worried about the problems that are out in front of them. As a result, most of those people feel stressed more than the other groups of people and they're very rarely satisfied with their lives. On the other hand, you have telescopic people. These are the people who see life as a big picture. They're always big picture people. They work not at getting trapped by the circumstances, but at stepping into the circumstances. They look for whatever it is that God is trying to create for the future, and then they see that as an opportunity. They're almost always willing to take risks to try to make God's dream come true in this world. And as a result, they're almost always happier people. They're almost always more fulfilled in their lives. And that's true even if what they are investing in creates harder work than the other group of people. When Jesus told Simon to row his boat out into the deep waters and to cast his nets again, Simon said, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. That was microscopic thinking. 
but because you say so, I will let down the nets. That wasn't exactly telescopic thinking yet, but it was the moment when Simon opened himself up. He opened his life up to Jesus's leading. And when he opened himself up to the possibilities that can only be found through Jesus Christ, that's when he began to find life itself. When Simon became open to God's will, that's when they caught so many fish that they had to have two boats to try to get all of the fish to the shore. When they got all the fish to the shore, Simon responded to that by saying, get away from me, Jesus. I'm a sinful man. But Jesus said, don't be afraid, Simon. From now on, you'll fish for people. That was Jesus's way of saying, if you think this boat full of fish is something, just wait, brother. You haven't seen anything yet. In 2020, NASA sent the Perseverance rover to the surface of Mars. They, they dropped that rover to the surface of Mars through a parachute, and that parachute had a red and white design, a pattern that was on it. <coughs> After that rover landed safely, then NASA announced that that pattern that was on that parachute contained a coded message, and they challenged the public to try to decode that message. It only took about six hours for somebody to decode it. The message that was on that parachute was, dare mighty things. That's what Jesus was saying to Simon. It's what he was saying to James. It's what he was saying to John. And it's exactly what he is saying to us. Dare mighty things. Be risk taking servants. Don't look at your spiritual life through a microscope of fear. Look at it through a telescope of possibilities. <clears throat> look for God's big vision in life and then take the risk to chase that vision. Move out from your comfort zone and do something powerful for the Lord. Those fishermen took the risk of leaving everything for Jesus that day. They left their boats, they left their fishing nets, they left their livelihoods, and they committed their lives to Jesus. And that risk-taking commitment not only changed their lives, but it ultimately changed the world. And that's where this table that's in front of us comes in. This table is a table of confidence and commitment. Jesus had just as much confidence in, in Simon and James and John as he would have anyone else. But they came to discover that confidence. They came to discover that Jesus believed in them. What we need to understand is Jesus still believes in his disciples. He believes in us just like he did Simon and James and John. He believes in what we can accomplish for God and for the world. And when we take this meal, when we eat this meal... That is us committing ourselves to, to, a, to be risk-taking missionaries and servants of Jesus Christ. <coughs> are we sinners just like Simon was? Yes, we are. But this meal was given to the disciples on the night before they, cre they committed their greatest sins. On the night before they left Jesus to suffer and die alone, Jesus gave them this meal. And he told them, whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. He wasn't just asking them to remember that he died on a cross. He wasn't just asking them to remember that when the world was at its very worst and when they were wanting to kill him, he wasn't just telling them to remember that he looked down from that cross and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. 
but he was wanting them to remember that before they made their worst mistake, he loved them and he had confidence that they were going to come back and they were going to rally and they were going to become his risk-taking servants in the world. And that risk-taking servanthood was going to carry his message to the four corners of the planet. This meal that we are taking here today is a gift to us. It reminds us of our God's forgiveness and that through that forgiveness, we have the ability to approach Jesus and to approach eternal life. But it also reminds us that no matter what our lives have been like, our Lord believes in us and he has confidence in what we can do. And what he wants us to do is believe in him, be empowered by him, have the spirit live within us, and then to commit ourselves to become what Jesus would have us become. When we take this meal today, let us remember what Jesus did for us. And then let us remember that by taking it, we are making a commitment to be risk-taking missionaries and servants on behalf of the Christ of the cross. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today to offer you my faith. I come to you today asking you to look at all of us sinners and to realize that, yes, we are imperfect people, but we can't become more on your behalf. Help us, Lord, to offer ourselves to you today through this holy meal. Help us to do the best that we know how to do to be your people of love and grace and hope. Help us to take this meal as an act of commitment on your behalf and help us to believe that through you, our lives can become different and better and more satisfied. Make it so today, O Lord, for it is in your name we offer our prayer. Amen. On the night that Jesus was handed over for suffering and death, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me.
the body of Christ, take and eat. After they had eaten, Jesus took a cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is the new covenant that is given to you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. This is the new covenant given to us for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Holy God, this is a holy moment that you have given us. It is a time that we have separated out to remind us of what you did to give us the forgiveness of sins and how much you believed in us even when we were sinners. Help us, O oh Lord, 
to take these moments and to contemplate our lives, to contemplate our service, to contemplate your love and what should be our love for you. Help us, O oh Lord, to want you to live within our hearts, to long for you to be within us. Help us to be willing to say, Lord Jesus, I know what's missing, and what's missing is you. Come and live within my heart and help me to become the person that you see me being. Thank you for believing in me even when I find it hard to believe in you. And thank you, Lord, for inspiring me to want to be more like you. Make it so today as we gather here. For it is in the Lord's name we pray. Amen.
come here today and you've chosen to give your life to Jesus Christ, let us know that. Tell any deacon in the room, let any of our staff know, and we'll help you with the next steps that you need to take in order to be on your way to following Jesus. If you want to join our church and be part of our risk-taking mission, we would love to have you. If you'll let us know that, we'll make sure that uh, you're included and we would love to have you join our church. <clears throat> Sorry, I almost ran out of voice this morning. Don't know exactly what happened, <clears throat> but uh, it's probably because Tim left the music stand behind me and I ran into it. <laughs> so he's fired, but it's been nice having him here. It's been... <laughs> Charlotte's just counted off how many times she got fired during the time that she was here in 21 years. God bless you all. Thank you for coming and joining us here today. And let's go into the world and dare to do something great for Jesus. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, <clears throat> now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, everyone.